0: Hey, welcome to the Platform Comics Podcast. My name is Tucker. My interview today is with Scott Koblish, who is a comic book artist. He's been working in the industry for like a few decades now. He's worked on a lot of really big titles for Marvel and DC. He he might be most well known for doing about six years on Deadpool. And we uh, talk about how, you know, the industry has changed over his career. Because if you're starting out now, I mean, you probably did have no idea what it was like to be making comics before the internet was a big thing, before social media, obviously. You know, and he explains that, you know, at the end of the day, some things never change. You're working with people and people don't really ever, ever change. It's just kind of the technology that changes. But he talks about breaking into the industry when he broke in is obviously going to be very different from the way people break in now. And he does give his advice for how he would approach these things, uh, even conventions, as somebody who's an aspiring creator today. And we discuss how, for a while, he would look at certain comics and say, I want to draw like this, but he just didn't have the physical you know, skills to do it and how he developed that over time. And I think that's something a lot of people who are aspiring creators struggle with at first. They They pick up a comic, for example, and maybe they want to write a story like this or they love the art and they want to be able to draw or color like that but they just don't have the skills yet and it could be really discouraging. We discuss kind of getting to that point where your skills match your vision. And I think as a creator that should always be your goal to have your work look as good as the people you admired. And maybe it was naive of me but I imagined that because he's such an established guy that, you know, getting work would be pretty easy for him, that he gets to work on whatever he wants and that there aren't that many you know challenges. But he explains that as a freelance artist, he still, you know, is always worried about where the next job is going to come from, how he can improve his skills, you know, watching what the new people and the up and comers are doing and trying to learn from them. So, you know, not to obviously discourage people from Uh, pursuing uh, drawing comics but it's a never-ending challenge you're always you always got to be on your toes and there's there's never a point where you could say okay now i could just coast through the rest of my career but we talk about you know the obvious benefits that he gets to work for himself and make his own schedules and you know work from home and stuff like that so like everything in life there's always a trade-off but that's enough rambling for me let's just get to the interview with scott koblish I met you at Long Beach Comic Con recently, um, mm-hmm. and just before we started recording, now uh, we were talking about conventions a little bit. What what exactly are um, your goals when you go to con- a convention and you have and you have a table? Like, what do you do? You have one goal, or is it a mixture of a lot of things?
1: I try not to really give myself a goal to make at a convention; otherwise, you'll kind of drive yourself crazy. I've had conventions where you know I make a uh, A lot of money and there's been conventions where I make no money and I've had a lot of conventions where it's it's very easy to get to and from the thing and other conventions that are the exact opposite so um, each one presents its own I don't know challenges really and of course conventions are kind of emotionally draining and dicey too because you're essentially putting yourself out there for anybody to sort of reject you. Also, meeting a lot of the people that I, uh, you know, that I work with—that's always fun. Like, I'll see my editors, or I'll see people that have colored me, or uh, inked over me, or I've inked over them. I just try and do it from an emotional perspective where I'm happy. Like, let's say you want to make a thousand dollars or something like that. You you start to look at everybody that's across from the table as a means to that end. And that's not really, uh, something that's,
0: uh, these people are like, you know, people who love your work and you don't want to look at them as like a dollar sign.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, that's not, that's not fair to do to them. I mean, you're selling yourself essentially when you're at a convention. So put your best foot forward, you know, dress nicely and take a shower and stuff like that. But don't, uh, put yourself in a place where you're, uh, you're trying desperately to, uh, fulfill some sort of emotional or, you know, physical need, like a a cash need or something like that, because that's really off-putting. I would suggest standing at a convention. It's helped me out. Uh, Art Balthazar used to talk about that. I think it helps out a lot because you can can engage people face-to-face. Too often when uh, people are sitting down or I'm sitting down, you know, my head is down doing whatever sketch it is that I'm doing at the time. And uh, it can be hard for people to come up to you and approach you.
0: So if you're listening, the two takeaways, stand and take a shower.
1: Yeah, stand and take a shower. I mean, they're small things, but obviously, like, too often I see guys that show up really late as well. You know, they've been out drinking the night before, and that can be kind of a problem.
0: Kind of on that note, if, like, giving advice to a more aspiring creators i'm assuming your approach to a convention would be different from somebody who isn't established and maybe they just have like a portfolio as an artist maybe they've they've drawn a few indie comics would you approach conventions differently i mean would you get a table or would you kind of just roam around and show off your portfolio
1: well if you were just had a portfolio to show around yeah i would just come in with a portfolio i mean that's how i started going to conventions i just went in with my portfolio the first few times. Um, but what winds up happening is that eventually you get enough work uh, that you have things to show. So you'll you'll have uh, things you can make prints of or uh, original art to sell or people start to know your name a little bit. And then that's when I would get a table. Yeah, bring your portfolio in, show people that you... You know, you admire their work or whatever, and they'll they'll help you steer you in the right direction. Because what's happening is none of those people, like, you're going to come up to them and you're going to show them your, your work, but they're not going to be able to give you any work. It's really editorial that hands out the work.
0: Does that happen to you a lot? Do people come up to you and, like, they want you to, I don't know, pass on their comic or something?
1: Yeah, sometimes. some Some people want to do that. And then other people just want advice. I mean, nowadays, honestly, like my advice is to just, if you fit in with this superhero mold, I don't even know that that's what some of the major companies are looking for at the moment. So I would just say, do your own thing, put your own stuff on the internet. There are actually guys out there that, you know, they have like a million followers because they've built their internet base and that's more than a comic will ever sell.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially with in the internet age,
1: the only disadvantage is you can put stuff out into the void and nobody ever sees it. But that's where like expanding your social media presence can really help, you know, hashtags and things like that. So I, I don't, I don't know that publishers are necessary
0: anymore. So just finishing up about conventions, you've been in the industry like a couple decades now. How different? were conventions back then? I mean, did you go to conventions, like, in the 90s? I I
1: found conventions in the 80s and 90s, they were just real small events, you know? They'd be in a hotel or in a a basement of some, you know, like a church and stuff like that. It's a lot different now.
0: I'm guessing there's a lot more of, like, the pop culture and the movies and the TV and that sort of stuff now.
1: There are. I like that kind of stuff, to be honest. I don't see it as a threat. Like, I I have lots of friends that get cranky about uh, the amount of uh, stuff that's not comics You know, what will happen is that somebody gets pulled in. They'll like that show. So they'll talk to the guy from that TV show for about, you know, 20 minutes, however long it takes. And then they'll turn to me and they'll say, well, what do you do? For me, I kind of like the fact that those people come in for a different reason. And then I can give them a sketch for 20 bucks or I can give them, you know, some original artwork that they would never have thought to, to get. For me, I kind of like the fact that some people come for different reasons.
0: Yes. I mean, you can argue that when they do like a giant Walking Dead TV show installation, like that's just bringing people who are prospective fans of yours. Sure. And I'll
1: draw a sketch of Rick Grimes if they want. You know, a lot of those things allow the convention to expand to the size of a, of a convention center. Again, when I started out, like, going to conventions, they were in basements of churches. The best it would be would be, like, the hotel across from Penn Station in New York. It was just a hotel lobby. The scale is larger, so the possibilities are larger for you to find your audience.
0: No, no, it makes sense. It's like you're not necessarily the center of attention anymore, but— You get to be part of a better, bigger party.
1: Yeah, if you go to a party and you're angry that you're not the prettiest person there, like, you're just going to torture yourself. Just be there to be yourself.
0: So staying on that subject, maybe about how the industry has changed over the years, I know a lot of people listening are trying to, like, break into the industry. And when you broke in was a completely different era. But um, how, how do you think that's changed? Or is it kind of the same basic concept
1: everyone always gets in differently i got in by showing my portfolio to to the right guy i didn't even know it was the right guy i showed it to john ramita senior i didn't know he was the art director over at marvel but he was he's like can you send these to me i sent them to him he said can you correct this this and this i didn't know when i was correcting the things that he asked me to correct that i was essentially applying for a job in art corrections department that he ran that art corrections department doesn't exist at all at Marvel anymore. So the way that I got in is gone.
0: Do you see any, I don't know, similar traits in like the way people had to approach, I don't know, attitude-wise and like the work ethic? And I'm assuming it's still kind of has always been the same.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. People don't like to work with people who are jerks. I mean, that's kind of the way it always is. People will get work if they're jerks, but it's not going to last for super long. What I was always interested in was longevity. Oh, I wanted to do comics as long as I possibly could. You are going to have to be a little pushy. You know, there's a fine line between being pushy and being uh, obnoxious, but uh, try not to try to find your balance within that. When I was starting, and I sent John Romita Sr. the the artwork that I'd sent him, you know, I just kept bugging him. Uh, you know, for the next like couple weeks until like he said, "Stop bothering me." <laughs> And then I kind of went away and then I thought, well, that was kind of it. Like I wasn't going to be able to get in through that, that angle, but you know, within about six months, I think. He offered me a job. It was just that he needed time to have an opening.
0: You were saying you got to kind of toe the line between being nice and being a little pushy. Somebody like you, or to me, would seem pretty established. Like you got good, good connections in the industry. Like I'm sure you work regularly. You work on really big titles, you know. You mentioned like insecurities and stuff at conventions even and stuff like that. So do you f- still feel like you're still trying to keep your position in the industry and you, you feel like a little bit like an aspiring artist in a way where you have to constantly prove yourself? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's never going to stop. I'm always trying to get the next job. Everybody is. It's it's not the first job that you get in comics. <laughs> it's the second and the third and the fourth that are, that are the most challenging. You know, there's no job security at all in this industry. I mean, people can get contracts with the companies to do work for three years or so. But then when their three years are up, they have to sit and think about where they want to go or what they want to do or... If they want to stay, you know, for me, I work uh, project by project. I've been freelance my entire career. So that's 26 years of every month looking around for the next job, you know, and you're you're essentially the sales force. You're the accounting department. You're the CEO and you're the workforce all at once, you know. So juggling projects and juggling people can be really difficult when it's just you, you no one would work you the way that you work yourself as a freelancer. No one would ever sit there and say, now I want you to work, uh, you know, 80 hours this week for the next two weeks and then get back to like a 10 hour a week schedule. Yeah.
0: And i I mean, I'm guessing that you, you get to do what you love to do. And that's just one of the challenges and annoyances you have to deal with. I mean, more than an annoyance, but it's like a risk.
1: It's a risk. Yeah. I've traveled to Las Vegas once or twice and people will they want to gamble and I just tell them I, I gamble all day long <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't really want to I don't really want to gamble here, too. You know
0: what I mean. B- before we uh, discourage everybody from, from pursuing comics, so what are the? What are the? I'm sure there are positives too of being freelance. I mean, it's you know it's 11:30 on a Thursday and you're at home and you know you don't have to be at a job and.
1: Yeah, I found myself getting really squirrely in an office environment. Uh, what winds up happening when I was when I the two times that I did work in an office environment when I was drawing, is that if I didn't have work to do, I'd lose my mind. So I have to say that. Yeah, it's nice to be able to, to be home and to look after my own schedule and stuff like that. But I miss the camaraderie of people around, you know, so that that's kind of nice sometimes to have those folks around. I don't know. I'm in a weird spot right now. I, I've been doing this for 26 years and I'm kind of getting a little squirrely
0: but in like the the comic book world i mean especially now there's so much like creator-owned stuff and so much indie stuff and people even you know i i feel like you could do that if you wanted to you're you're well known in 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 the industry so like what what keeps you from i don't know pursuing more of that I, i mean maybe you wouldn't make as much money but you would have i don't know more freedom to yeah
1: that's a great question i i've been asking myself that a lot recently i don't i don't i have a lot of ideas i could actually like work something up. I just, I don't know. You're right. I hadn't really thought about it. <laughs> you, get, you get used to getting work in one particular way and then like, uh, you don't really give much thought to the next thing, you know? So, you're right. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely. could
0: I, I've spoken to people who they say their goal is to work for the big two because that's where you get the most financial security and you get to work on these big titles and you know a lot of people are going to read your work and stuff like that so i'm sure there are some major positives as well
1: it can be sure yeah but honestly the big companies have been paying less and less so you're right you know there's folks out there that they just abandon the whole thing and they put up a Kickstarter, and yeah, maybe I should do that. I don't know. It's not a bad idea. I would love to get something like that up and working. I have a ton of ideas, so yeah, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe this conversational. Will...
0: It's an intervention.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, it's surprising that that you describe it like that because I think from the outside people would say, well, this guy's got it made. He's done all these huge titles, but you obviously still have insecurities about your work and where the next job is going to come from. And and like it's kind of like a never ending struggle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Lots of people come up to me and ask what they should do and i don't know that uh, i have any answers to stuff
0: and i mean there's a lot of people who are love your work and i think that's a pretty awesome thing that you have people who like you've affected their life in a in a positive way
1: oh absolutely that's that's the advantage of, of work and then you can and then actually what winds up happening is if i go to to loop around to the convention idea is that if i go to a convention they feed me back do you know what I mean? The excitement that I had when right. I was working on Deadpool, like they kind of feed it back to me so that, uh, you know, so you get a little bit of a charge if you're feeling down about stuff. So
0: I was just, I think this week I, I saw an interview with uh, Bill Sienkiewicz and he said something along the lines of at some point he saw his art and said, this looks like me. This looks like I made it. Mm, sure. At, at what point in your, I don't want to say career, but like your craft, did you achieve that where you saw like your work and said like this is unique this is my style that's
1: a great question my style is all over the place i'm a very restless artist i don't really settle on anything in particular i like to try different things i like to try different styles it's not that i get bored it's that i just like a challenge for me, it's uh, matters of style or they're kind of based on whatever project it is that I'm working on. One of the books that I really enjoyed, like I thought I kind of nailed something that I could keep going with and be really happy with was the Deadpool's Art of War. I love doing the covers because they were this Chinese calligraphy landscape uh, painting. So the covers were really challenging. And on the inside, I tried to be as detailed as I possibly could. So I thought it worked out. Actually, one of the best projects that I worked on that I was happiest—that was a few years ago. I don't even know if I would really want to draw that style again. I'm just really restless, you know.
0: Is there somebody in particular that you were kind of emulating at first, and then?
1: Yeah, there were people I loved to emulate, but I, I, I just didn't. I didn't have the skills when I first started out. Like I had a portfolio that, like, if you look at it now. There were certainly artists that I really loved reading their work, like a George Perez or a John Byrne or a Bill Like, But I just never was able to, to draw that way when I first started. Um, my portfolio looked kind of, all the figures were kind of blobby and it almost like they didn't have any bones. I didn't really like that about me. So I was always trying to do something different.
0: Was there something you did specifically, like a certain kind of training or anything? Because you wanted your skills to match like your vision. You say, I want to draw like this, but I can't do it. Like, I couldn't do it, yeah. Is there some like technical exercises you did or did you did you look at it in a different way? Well, it
1: just wound up happening that my career was kind of a training ground for that. Like I wound up inking over George Perez. I wound up inking over John Buscema. Like I wound up inking over a lot of the people that I really liked the way that they drew So I could kind of see it up close. So it was almost like a prolonged apprenticeship, to be honest. And then I would get surprised by some of the people that I really, I I didn't know about their work until I started inking over them like a Ron Garney. I really like the way that Ron drew, and then some of that stuff all slips in, you know. So some of the George Perez stuff, some of the the Ron Garney stuff, all that stuff sort of slips in. I can see certain bits of different people that come out of my hand, but I don't really know that I have a lot of control over it.
0: So would you recommend, I mean, to to somebody who's, they might look at a comic and say, I, they say, I love this style. I want to draw like this, but I can't. Would you recommend maybe like just trying to like copy the work? Yeah, at first. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I When uh, Joe Kubert used to sit me down and talk about uh, Alex Raymond, like he really loved his, uh, he loved Alex Raymond's work. And uh, I grew to love it too. I didn't know anything about it when I started. But I remember I used to just sit and draw as best I could, whatever you know, panels from old Alex Raymond, uh, old Flash Gordons, or something like that, just to try and get a better sense of what it was that he was doing. And then you can kind of see how a guy like Al Williamson um, comes into being because Al is sort of trying to be uh, Alex Raymond, you know. So you can kind of see the patterns. Just don't wind up copying stuff and then try to present it as your own because inevitably someone's going to go, oh, I know that artist or I know that work. They're not going to be fooled, you know, like like I think a lot of the image guys wind up getting trapped in something like that. They would draw something that Paul Smith had already done or something that John Byrne had already done. And then it just people get angry about it, you know, because it seems disrespectful that they're trying to sell it off as their own.
0: And what about? I feel like I see more and more like artists who are doing everything on a comic. I mean, you mentioned doing like pencils and inks, but the traditional thing was there would be a pencil, and inker, colorist, and letter all separate. But like now, we're doing this uh, short comic competition, and I'm getting a lot of submissions from people who like did everything. Like they're coloring it themselves, or lettering it themselves, they're inking, penciling. Do you advise against that? Do you think it's better to let to kind of focus on one? Craft or nothing. I think
1: that you should focus on the, the whole thing. You know, I studied under Will Eisner, and Will was one of the people that that had these studios that would do a ton of things. So they're the ones that started to break it down out of being one person. It's Will Eisner and and uh, Jack Kirby that like started pulling everything into like a almost like a Ford assembly line kind of thing, and then the comic companies just followed suit. It's really just a product of trying to save time that that everybody does it the way that they do it. It would just take me a lot longer than a month to do, like, writing, pencils, inks, color. Comic companies have to put something out every month, so they have a Ford assembly line that they've got going. But I think, you know, having been taught by guys that did all of that stuff all on their own, like... It's an odd thing that that it got separated out that way.
0: I'm sure you would say there's some benefit to like having different people because of that. I don't know, collaborative effort. Like everybody kind of brings a different thing to the table, and if all these things mesh properly, you can kind of get something that's I don't know, greater than the sum of their parts in a sense. You can,
1: but again, the the magic part is the where everybody's working together.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm assuming with like Marvel and DC, like they probably have a, run a pretty tight ship are you communicating a lot with like the writers and the colorists and letterers or is the editor kind of spearheading the whole thing?
1: The editor is the one that's the pivot point for everything. And I mean, maybe I should do more talking to the writers and stuff like that, but uh, that's really only if I have a question and especially the colorists. Like I, I don't really have a lot of notes for colorists. The job that they do is hard enough. The only thing that I'll ever pitch in is something kind of helpful as far as like, is this a scene during night? I'll try and put little notes in every once in a while if I've changed something so that the writer can adjust. And hopefully these notes find their way to the writer. Sometimes I don't have the writer's email. Sometimes Marvel is kind of skittish about putting everybody in contact with everybody because then the editor's not in control of the whole project.
0: So with like Marvel and, for example, something like Deadpool, and you have editors kind of guiding you and other stuff, like, and it's not your character, but... You did work on Deadpool, I mean, you said, like, six years? Yeah, yeah. Do you do you feel a sense of, like, ownership of the characters at all? Even though, obviously, it's not your character, but, like, you were a big part of it. So do you feel like, I don't know, like, part of it is, is like, he's your character a little bit?
1: You kind of look at it as, like, it's a girlfriend that you were dated for a while. Do you right. know what I mean? Like... Like, I love the time period that I worked on Deadpool. It's just amazing. I had a lot of fun doing it. I'd look at it. I even knew at the time that it was kind of going to be rare, a rare experience. But um, I just loved it when I was there and tried to enjoy it as much as I could while it was happening.
0: Um, But yeah, it moves on. You know, I don't
1: even know who the current creative team is.
0: But would you ever like, I don't know, if you picked up the latest Deadpool and there was... I don't know, something that you would have done differently or something. Do you ever feel, like, offended? Like, ah, oh, that's, that's kind of like my baby and they're <laughs> messing with them a little bit? You
1: can't help it, you know what I mean? But you try not to. There's no point in doing that to yourself,
0: you know? I mean, just kind of on the subject of getting directions from, like, Marvel and editors and stuff like that. And maybe it's, maybe it's a really dumb question, but, like, how specific are their directions? Like, I'm sure they don't tell you, like what materials or tools to use or to be digital or anything like that. Are they asking you for, like, specific dimensions and, I don't know, certain file types? or <laughs>
1: Yeah, specific dimensions for the book. I mean, like, the books are a particular width and a, width, a particular size when you're working on them. And then they want you to send in a scan or, or they want you to send in the artwork at a certain DPI. But um, if it's digital, like, the entire time, they don't care. Uh, what is it uh, David Marquez does... Every, there's no paper involved um, the stuff that i do there's so I'll, I'll take the script and i'll make notes in the margins along the side and i'll scan that in and then i'll start placing and fiddling around with the layout i'll print that out and then like i'll sort of just light box the just the general gist of the whole thing and then i'll start penciling and then i'll ink it and then i'll erase it and then i'll scan it back in and then play around with it a little bit in photoshop once it's done and then i'll send it out so but but that's I don't think they care too much about how that worked for me.
0: So you don't have to change your workflow or anything like that when you're working for the big guys? Right?
1: No, I don't have to change my workflow for them. No, there's nothing that there's nothing that I would have to do specifically.
0: Well, so my last question here to finish up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is sort of random like I don't know how to draw at all and I randomly like 2 weeks ago went to an art store and I just like bought a sketchbook and some pencils and pens cuz I was like I'd like to learn to doodle a little better and stuff. Great. But would you give the advice to any to any like writers who don't know how to draw at all? Would you give them any advice of like you should at least learn this, maybe like some kind of anatomy or like how I don't know pencils and inks work or something, and from the art world? Or do you think it's just like look, you focus on writing, let us focus on the art?
1: No, I think it's helpful as an art as a writer that when you're writing something out, that you know kind of uh, have some visual equivalent in your head as to what's going on, but. The artist is going to have their own opinions about it. I've seen some some things that Brian Bendis did early on, as far as like a layout, like he would show the artist what he thought the layout should be, and I think it helps to have a general vision beforehand that you're comfortable with. But uh, but just know that it's going to change. That's all. Yeah, I, I people should people should definitely do more than they normally do you know like like you were talking about earlier that there's people that are handing in the whole entire thing the advantage that a person who is a writer and has some sense of things visually is that that person's going to have a leg up on somebody who doesn't have a visual sense you know so you know like a guy like brian bendis brian started out as an artist like he was doing the entire thing himself but he settled on being a writer, you know. There are other guys that I met that, you know, they wanted to be writers, but they wound up drawing a lot more. Some wound up being editors, like Bob Budiansky had done a couple X Men covers and probably some interior things here and there, but he wound up being an editor. Always stretch yourself, no matter what it is. You don't, if the idea is to, to go out and, and make comics, for God's sakes, make comics. Be excited about it, be happy about it you know the people that are coming up now are the people who are going to change the industry in a way that like is you know you don't you can't foresee how it's going to happen
0: well scott thanks for talking to me sure absolutely I <laughs>